This is Brother Matter, and I greet you in the precious name of Jesus, and I welcome you to our Bible study. And I want us to go to prayer, and let's ask God for the leadership of His Spirit and the working of uh, the Holy Ghost to have its way in our study this morning. So right now, let's just bow our heads and go to prayer. Father, I thank you for your word, for the moving of your spirit, the way you're revealing yourself and opening our understanding, Lord, and how you are striving and wooing with us to take us into a place, Lord, that we've never walked before. And I ask you right now to overshadow this place today. Give us the eyes that we need to see, the ears we need to hear, the heart that we need to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And I give you praise, honor, and glory in your righteous name, Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given where men might be saved and through that name. And we thank you for it, Master. Give us your grace, mercy, and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to, uh, today we're going to uh, study a prophecy that was spoken on February the 19th, 2017. So I know some of you have this in an email, some of you have it in your notes. So this is where uh, I'm going to begin, and we're going to talk about it, discuss it. And we're not going to listen to it, but I am going to read it. Uh, as the Lord, you know, leads and however, uh, at what time the Lord uh, has me read it. But I want to start out on page one of your Bible study. Uh, and this is what the Lord began to put in my spirit late last night and early this morning. For several years now, the Lord has been preparing us to do things according to the working and leading of His Spirit. When the Lord wants to make changes in us, in the way we serve Him and worship Him, He doesn't just make sudden changes. He starts by placing the thoughts in our minds and telling us what He wants us to do by opening our understanding to the Scriptures and help us to see where He wants to take us. For several years now, the Lord has been speaking from Isaiah 43 and 18 and 19. Which says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? Well, the only way we're going to know the working of the Spirit of God in this new thing is God has already been dealing with us by His Word. <coughs> By prophecy, by the leadership of the Holy Ghost, God's been dealing with us. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We've heard this preached and it's been spoken in prophecy and discussed on many different occasions and in many different places. We tell ourselves that God has called us out of denomination and spiritual bondage but the way the Lord is having to talk to us and admonish us, if we aren't careful, we can become a denomination of our very own. You can't trade one set of religious rules for another and call ourselves free. So let's examine ourselves and listen to what the Lord is telling us. On September the 4th, 2016, the Lord spoke a prophecy 
that he was changing man's course in the earth, and that he was bringing in a new and a fresh and a different anointing. And we've seen the Spirit of God striving to do just that all this year. The Lord spoke in this prophecy from February 19, 2017, and I'm going to begin reading it here in just a minute, and said he had stepped into our midst, or the midst of us, and breathed on us, and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Lord on that day placed an indwelling of his Spirit in his Word and told us an unction of his nature was settled into us. Now, herein lies the problem. And that is that we've got to allow change to come. As many times over the last several months, the Lord has spoken unto us concerning change and has repeatedly told us that we have to allow the change to take place The Lord is continually admonishing us that we are holding on to the old teaching and things we have learned concerning the operation and manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And He has revealed to us many of these teachings. They have been shallow and immature and taught by man's zeal and a desire to see God's people move forward. But they've been taught in immaturity. From the heart of man, and that we've got to turn them loose and let the Spirit of God teach us again. Until we can let these things loose, or let, uh, or let these things go, and open our hearts and spirits up to the new wisdom and understanding, then the Spirit cannot move in a new way. As much as we love God and desire to serve Him, When we feel the presence of God, if we are very careful, our knowledge will constrain the working of the Spirit of God because we tend to go by what we know and not by where the Spirit is trying to lead us. The vision I had of a room in Savannah in 2012 is a perfect example. And in 2012, I was ministering in Savannah, Georgia, and while I was preaching, the Lord took me out into a vision. And in that vision, I saw a room. And in that room, I knew everything about it. I knew every bump on the floor, every nick in the wall, everything about it. Uh, I was so familiar and so comfortable in that room. But then all of a sudden, in the back left-hand corner, I saw a door that it, I'd never seen before. So I walked over to that door, and I opened it. And when I opened it, there was another room there. And the whole back wall was full of doors. So I walked in. I opened one of the doors. There was another room full of doors. I went to the next door. Opened that. There was a whole other room full of doors. And every door I opened led me to another room full of doors. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. The Lord said, that means many wealthy and rich places in the Spirit. And he said, the riches of Christ are unsearchable. And I can tell you, if I had had to go into every one of them doors and search out what was behind every one of them doors, 
It would have taken many months or maybe many years because I don't know if I opened another door that there would be another room full of doors. And so the Lord spoke that to me, and I thought that was the end of the vision. But about two years later, the Lord brought it back to my remembrance and said, Do you remember the room that I showed you in the vision? He said, That was the anointing that is at work in your life. He said, You were very comfortable with it. You were very familiar with it. He said, You know how it works. You know how it manifests. You know how to operate in it. And he said, And he said, I will bless you in that anointing. I will still anoint you to preach. I will still allow you to have some healings and miracles. He said, or you can step through a new door into a deeper anointing, into a deeper revelation, into a greater revealing of my word. He said, because you're comfortable where you are, you understand it. He said, a lot of people get comfortable in their walk with God and they don't want to move into anything else. He said, because it's unfamiliar territory. God is wanting to take us into unfamiliar territory, and we're wanting to stall and be still in what we're comfortable with. But that's not going to take us where God wants to take us. God wants to take us into a newness of His Spirit, and a working, and a measure, and a maturity of the Holy Ghost that we've never walked in. So, God is striving, God is reaching, God is instructing, God is leading, but if we don't allow the Spirit of God to ever take us anywhere else, nothing's going to change. I mean, the Lord told me, it was my choice. You can stay in this room. Yeah. I was very familiar with it. Knew how the anointing worked. Knew how to operate in the gifts. He said, or you can go into this new door and I'll take you to something greater and deeper and more mature than you have ever walked in. And you know, uh, I guess it was two years ago, the Lord began to deal with me out of 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't have this in our notes, but let me turn over there, because the Lord began to deal with me out of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and He began to uh, show me, and I know this goes against what a lot of people have been taught, but, my goodness, we have not been taught the fullness of the Word of God. There is so much more to be received and be revealed in God's Word than we've ever thought about having or thought about receiving. So, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord took me to the ninth verse. Well, actually, He took me to the 8th verse. Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies... They shall fail. That word should be cease. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So, uh, when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, they didn't receive the fullness of that Spirit. They only received a measure. Paul's teaching tells you, we've received an earnest of the Spirit. We've received a portion. We've received a part. Here Paul is saying everything we are operating in is in part. It is in part. We prophesy in part. We see in part. We know in part. We understand in part. But then he went on and said, 
in uh, verse 10, but when that which is perfect or that which is complete and mature in God comes in, then that which is in part shall be done away with. For us to come to the maturity and the fullness of the working of the Spirit of God in this measure, the part has to be done away with, and we have to come into greater maturity and strength and wisdom and understanding. Perfect, perfect here means maturity. It means the completeness of God. So, and then Paul went on and said, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, he was talking about natural, but he was comparing it to spiritual. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, or Paul was saying, we don't see the clarity, the fullness. We don't see the end of this matter. We're only seeing partially because we're looking through a glass Darkly, but then when that which is perfect is come face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Or what's Paul saying? I'm going to know him in the measure of the knowledge and understanding that he's revealing. I'm going to know him even as he knows me. And everything he reveals to me by the Spirit, I'm going to know him in that much greater and deeper measure of the revealing of the Word and the unction and the working of the Holy Ghost. And he went on and says, And now about a faith, hope, and charity, these three... But the greatest of these is charity. I want, to, I want to go back to where the Lord was dealing with me uh, in this Bible study. And I'm going to read the first page of this prophecy. And we're going to exhort on that and discuss that. Uh, and I may even get into page two. So I'm going to the first page of the prophecy. And this is from February the 19th, 2017. Uh, I don't know if it's on our website or not. I don't know if the, uh, we've got a printed copy. And we've also got the, uh, the soundtrack. Uh, if it's not there, we'll get it there. So, uh, when everybody here gets your prophecy up from February uh, 19th, 2017. Okay, is anybody ready with me? Almost. Grab me a little drink here. Almost. Appreciate the working of the Spirit of God today. God is so moving by the working of His Spirit, and there's something being brought forth in God's children. There's something being brought forth in God's people if we allow this working of the Spirit of God. God is not going to force anything on you. God is not going to override you in anything that, or override your will or going to force you to do anything that you do not yield to. The Spirit of God has to have free course. It has to have a working uh, venue that you are yielding. That's the reason the Bible tells us to yield our members. To the Holy Ghost. Yield ourselves over to the working of the Spirit of God. God can put something in your heart 
And you can stiffen your heart against what God's telling you, and you're not a yielded vessel. It don't have to be anything big. It don't have to be anything major. But, see, God don't just uh, roll down out of the heavens, roll the heavens back, and speak to us in a magnificent manner, in a magnificent manner, uh, or magnanimous, in everything He does. Most of the time, He just puts thoughts and speaks in that still small voice into our heart and tries to order our steps. Well, so many times when the Lord does this in ordering our steps, he uh, he just speaks softly and quietly. And when that, that voice comes and speaks to your spirit, so many times we brush it off. So many times we don't pay any attention to it. And that is where we've got to get. We've got to get sensitive to the working of the Spirit of God. We've got to get sensitive and know that no matter how that voice comes, it can come to you uh, in a scripture, uh, which is the word of the Lord coming to you. You know, when I was young in the Lord, I, I done a lot of fasting and praying. Uh, there for many years, I led a, what I call a fasting life. I fasted three days a week, every week. And then many times I'd go on two or three 21-day fasts during the year, and then I might do a couple of 40-day fasts. During the year, I know one year, uh, I went back and tallied it up, and I fasted 186 days that year. That is over half the year, right at it, that I spent in fasting. And I was always in prayer seeking God, but, you know, I would get around these preachers, and I'd hear preachers say, and, and well, the word of the Lord come to me. And I had no idea what they were talking about, and here I was doing all this fasting and praying, and one day, the Lord, uh, you know, I, I started asking God, why why don't the word of the Lord ever come to me? Why don't you ever speak to me like you do these preachers? Is there something wrong in my life? Is there something I'm doing wrong? And I was listening to a preacher one day, and he said, and the word of the Lord come to me. So I got him uh, aside after he got through his fountain, and I said, what do you mean? When you say the word of the Lord came to you. He said that's when God speaks scripture into your spirit and you know the voice of God is speaking to you. And I just slapped myself upside the head. I said, my God. I said, the word of the Lord's been coming to me for five years and I couldn't figure it out. And I kept asking God whether there was something wrong with me because I didn't know when God brought scripture to me with an emphasis and you knew it was the voice of God. I had no idea that that was the word of the Lord coming to me. So see, God edified me. And as God edified me in that, as the word of the Lord would come to me later on, that it put a new meaning, it put a new uh, revelation and understanding, and I began to treat it more diligently and preciously because God was talking to me because I was seeking Him. So, if God brings the word of the Lord to you, don't take it lightly, but uh, take it and study it. Break it down. Because now when the word of the Lord comes to me, man, I'll get my Bible program open on my laptop. I'll get uh, my dictionaries open. I'll get my concordances, and I will break that word down, and I will find everything in the Scripture pertaining to that word of the Lord where God has spoken to me. So, uh, 
I want to start with this prophecy on the very first page. Uh, and I believe this came forth at our church, the New Testament church in L.J., yes. in L.J., Georgia, on uh, February the 19th, 2017. So I'm going to read uh, as far down as I feel led by the Spirit of God. And this is what the Lord started out speaking. For I have stepped in thy midst, and I breathe upon thee. My spirit doth breathe upon thee, and I say unto thee, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye an indwelling of my word, and the unction of my nature doth settle into thee this day, my people. Allow now change to come. Allow the working of my spirit. You see what God is saying here? He said, you got to allow this. You can't just hear this and let it fall by the wayside. You can't just hear this and go on your way. You have got to take God's word when it speaks and apply it to your heart and put it in action in your life. This is a day that I have told you in the past. I tell you again, I do a new thing. Take thy eyes off of the old. For many of you are holding on to the old works of my spirit. You're holding on to what you've been taught about the Holy Ghost, about tongues, about the working of my spirit at Pentecost. But I say unto thee this day that if thou shalt allow, see there's that word again, allow my spirit to move. I, the Lord, shall come in and renew thee in the spirit of thy mind, and I will place in thee a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, and I will give thee a new vision, and shall lead thee in a new and a living way. Since God has spoken this, God has opened our understanding to a new working of the Spirit. It hasn't been but probably a month or so ago that the Lord began to deal with me. He said, what I poured out on the day of Pentecost, he said, was not just tongues. It was not just tongues of fire that they saw on each other. He said, but that 120 in that upper room was not your lay members. It was not your church members. He said, I had chosen that 120 for government and leadership in my church. He said, I had spent 40 days after my resurrection at different times instructing my disciples in things pertaining to the kingdom of God. They didn't go into that upper room ignorant. They didn't go in there. They had some idea of what was going to happen. They had some idea of how to tarry and seek the face of God. They had some idea of what they were waiting for. Because he told them in Luke 24 and 49, Wait, saith he, I, I go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem and wait for the promise from the Father. And I will baptize you and wait till you're endued with power from on high. Well, everybody
everybody looks at power as just miracle power. Man, there's got to be power to live holy. There's got to be power to live clean. There's got to be power to uh, be able to process the Word of God and the Spirit of God as it comes alive in your spirit and in your soul and in your mind. There has got to be a power uh, of dominion and authority over every force of evil, every spirit of hell, power over the carnal mind uh, because we have been told the, the carnal mind is a spirit. Uh, it is a spirit uh, that will bind you, that will hinder you, uh, that will keep you from entering in uh, to the working of the Holy Ghost because Romans 8 tells us uh, that the carnal mind is enmity uh, against God. It is not subject uh, to the law of God, neither can indeed can it be. Uh, so the law of God is spiritual. Uh, are you listening to me? Uh, and it, 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 the carnal mind is God's enemy. Well, if it's an enemy uh, to the law of God, uh, the law of God is not natural and spiritual. Uh, for the, the carnal mind to be enmity uh, against the mind of the spirit uh, and against God's law, uh, then it has to be a spirit. Uh, you cannot take a carnal mind in war uh, against a spirit. Uh, it's got to be spirit against spirit. Uh, so God is now revealing the carnal mind uh, is a spirit uh, and he is trying to get us to push uh, this carnal mind back uh, to let the Holy Ghost in us override it uh, and put in us the teaching and the wisdom uh, and the knowledge and the understanding uh, to go forward uh, and put the Word of God into action. Uh, not just get it in our hearts. Uh, not just hear it. Uh, get it in our minds. But put it uh, into action yeah. in our everyday life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Spirit of yeah. God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> and he said, Loose thyself, my people, to the working of my Spirit. For I, the Lord, brought thee into a new covenant, and I sealed it with my blood. <laughs> you have been brought into a new covenant, and the seal of my covenant hath been set upon thee, and you have been marked with my blood, saith God. Thou hast been marked with my blood, and I, the Lord, have told thee that if you shall allow, there's that word again, if you shall allow me and you will turn and serve me with all of your heart, and you will come out from the unclean thing, if you will come out from among the world and touch not the unclean things, then I will be thy God, and I shall be my sons and my daughters. Hang on with me. I lost my place there. If you come out from among the world, touch not the unclean thing, that I will be thy God, and thou shalt be my sons and daughters, and I will live in thee and dwell in thee, saith the Lord. For this is my desire, this is the purpose that you were created for, that I, God, would live in thee and dwell in thee. What did God do in the beginning? He created Adam. In, in chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27, he said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. 
Let us give him dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creepeth on the earth. And then I believe verse 27 says, And God created man in his own image. The image of God is not a body, two arms, two legs, and a head. The image of God is dominion, preeminence, omnipotence, total control, authority, and dominion over all his creation. And he created man on that sixth day after he had created everything. God. God didn't create man and then create the world. He created the world and then he created man. The yeah. world was made for man. And then God gave man and God rested in man. The full authority and dominion of God on that seventh day rested in man and he lived in man. We know of for at least a thousand years and it could have been more because the fullness of God rested in man until man sinned. And once man sinned, he broke that relationship. He broke that communion with the Almighty. We don't know how long that was. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been tens of thousands. It could have been hundreds of thousands. All we know is God rested in man in the fullness. And man walked with God for that thousand years and everything that Adam and Eve brought forth was brought forth in the image and likeness of God because that's what they were made in. They could not produce uh, anything else except uh, the image and likeness of God. Uh, and those sons of God in, uh, in uh, Genesis 6 uh, that came down uh, and saw the daughters of men were fair uh, and joined themselves to them. Uh, those sons of God ain't fallen angels. Uh, angels are not sons of God. Angels uh, are creating beings and servants of God. Uh, the sons of God were birthed uh, through Adam and Eve before the fall. Uh, they were birthed brought forth uh, in the image and likeness of God uh, because Adam was uh, a son of God and everything uh, that he produced uh, was produced uh, in the image of his God. Hallelujah. Not until Genesis, I think the fifth or sixth chapter or maybe further on. I think it was in five that Adam finally brought forth a son, Seth. In his own image and in his own likeness. And that was after the fall. So there's a lot in that word we don't know. There's a lot in that word we've never been taught. You say, well, Brother Matter, I'm not sure that I can take hold of all that. All right, then you explain where Cain's wife come from. And I'll leave it at that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't sit up your toe and let you get in there and search your word. I've heard that since I was a boy. Where'd Cain's wife come from? I'm telling you where she come from. Amen. God created Adam and Eve, and He said, "Replenish the earth, mm -hmm. multiply, bring forth." If the sixth day, if every day was a thousand years, and God created Adam and Eve in six days, on the sixth day, and then they was with God in the fullness on the seventh day, you telling me fifteen hundred or, or more years went by before Adam and Eve ever come together as husband and wife and, and had kids? No, sir, we just don't have no record of it. The only record we have is the seed that Adam and Eve had after the fall. We don't have nothing. We don't have nothing, but God gave them a commandment. He said, replenish, be fruitful, bring forth, and multiply. And it didn't take them no 1,500 plus years to put God's promise into effect. So you just get in there and pray and study, and I'll leave it there. Because that's a whole other teaching. I said, that's a whole other teaching. Well, Brother Better, I don't know. Well, just don't know then. Just stay where you're at. Just stay in your little box. Just stay bound up in bondage. 
Just stay bound up with your little shout and talking tongues and your little laying on of hands and prophecy that Paul said was in maturity. I'm ready to mature. I'm ready to go on to the completeness and the fullness of God. I'm ready to go on to that place where Paul said, I believe it was, where Peter said that the man of God may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. We need something to change in us. We need something to happen in us. We got a generation bound with the forces of hell, demons, spirits, doctrines of devils, and we cannot even produce and manifest and bring forth what the early church had. And we run around here calling ourselves, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, if you got it, produce it. If you got it, bring forth some fruit. If you got it, let me see the manifestation of it. Because it's more just a shout and a talking tongues. My God, how about get off on that? That's all right. It's good. Amen. All right, let me see if I can find where I let up here. Probably about three quarters down on page one. For this is my desire and this is the purpose that you were created for. That I, God, would live in thee and dwell in thee. Loose thy minds, allow thy spirit man to be changed. And allow me to guide thy steps in a new way, in a new order, in a new visitation. Quit trying to cause the working of my spirit to be what you think it should look like, saith God. You are trying to conform me to what you know. But I am way beyond anything your eyes can see. I am beyond anything that your ears can hear. And I am way beyond anything that your heart can conceive and understand. You know the Lord told us in First Corinthians, the second chapter, I believe it was the eighth and ninth verse that He spoke to Paul, and He said, "I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that I have prepared for them that love me or them that wait on me." And so I said, "Yeah," but the next verse said, "And God is revealing them, uh, uh, them unto us by His Spirit the deep things of God. He can't reveal them to you if you ain't spiritually prepared." Paul said, they're being revealed to me. God's revealing them to me. And I'm trying to reveal them to you. But what did he go on in the next chapter and say? First Corinthians 3. Brethren, I desire to speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, for you are carnal, you are babes. For as long as there's any strife, division, envy, all this stuff that comes from carnality, he said, ye are carnal, and walk as men, and I can't reveal spiritual things to you. It's time to grow up, church. It's time to grow up and come forward. There is an act of the Spirit of God baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire that is headed toward us. But it's only going to follow them that are preparing. It's only going to follow them that are knocking, seeking, asking, and hungering. That was not a scripture for salvation. That was scripture for the revealing of the kingdom of God. And that's what God's trying to reveal. The authority and dominion of His kingdom. He said, I'm going to bring forth a people from Psalms 91. David wrote about people to come in Psalms 91. That people's never been in the earth. But they're coming forth now. They're coming forth. They're coming forth. And a great and a mighty people baptized in the Holy Ghost. And tongues of fire are going to stand up in the earth. And nothing's going to harm them. He said, no plague shall come now thy dwelling. He said, neither no evil shall befall thee. Neither shall any plague come now thy dwelling. For I will give 
and my angels charge over thee. Lest at any time thou would dash thou put against the stone, they'll bear thee up. Oh, God, God is bringing forth a holy nation. He's bringing forth a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. And we run around here with our heads stuck up in the air like a many rooster crowing, thinking we got something. Tell me how many of you out there can speak to a demon and have it be quiet. You got authority over demons. No, you don't. No, you don't. All we're doing is claiming the Holy Ghost and shouting and talking in tongues. But Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come to you in great swelling words. My preaching, my speech and my preaching I didn't come this way, but I came to you in demonstration. I, I came to you putting the word and the power of God I, in action because I came to you in demonstration I, of the spirit and of the power of God. I, that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, I, but in the power of God. You can quote scripture all day long, I, but if it ain't quick and made Alive by the Spirit, and there's no power in it, nothing's going to happen. My goodness, where's all this coming from? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me get back down here. I'm down toward the bottom of the first page. Loose thy minds, allow thy spirit man to be changed, and allow me to guide thy steps. See, there again, God said twice, allow, allow. Steps in a new way, in a new order, in a new visitation. Quit trying to cause the working of my spirit to be what you think it should look like. Saith God, you are trying to conform me to what you know, but I am way beyond anything that your eyes can see. I am beyond anything that your ears can hear, and I am way beyond anything that your heart can conceive and understand, but you must turn loose this day. You must loose, turn loose, for even I... For even as I told my disciples, Yea, I dwell with thee, but not many days hence I shall dwell in thee. You must allow the conditioning. You must allow the operation of my spirit. For even I, the Lord, say unto thee that spring shall not pass and summer shall not come, that a visitation of my spirit shall come pass and go beyond Pentecost shall be placed in thy midst, but you must be ready. And we've had God increase our knowledge. We've had God increase in the working of the Spirit. But I'm telling you, our minds are holding back the working of the Spirit of God. On the day of Pentecost, them men had no religious doctrine to fight. They had nothing to war. Every time God moves, all that pops up in people's mind uh, is a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine, a lot of teaching, uh, a lot of what I call garbage uh, that has stripped the power of God out of the church. Uh, and then people got to wrestle and war to try uh, to get a revealing of the Spirit of God on the inside of them that they can do something. Uh, this is why God is turning to the heathen. Uh, this is why God is fixing to turn to the Gentiles. He's going to turn to people that has never heard his name. Do not know anything about Jesus. Don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. It's easier to train brand new people than it is to war against the revealing of the theology and the doctrine you've got in you that causes you to stiffen your neck and harden your heart against the working of the Holy Ghost. What did Stephen say in the 
seventh chapter of Acts when he stood there uh, and expounded all the great things of God to him. Uh, and then he turned around uh, and he looked at him and said, "Ye stiff-necked uh, and uncircumcised in heart and ears, uh, how long do you resist the Holy Ghost? Uh, he said, you resist just like your fathers did uh, when the prophets spoke to them. Uh, what did God continually tell the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness? You stiff-necked. Uh, you rebellious. You hard-hearted. Uh, and God continually was upset with people. Uh, and today, uh, Stephen stood up. Uh, in that day, the Holy Ghost had come. Miracles was happening. Uh, great deliverance was moving. Souls was being added uh, to the church in Stephen's. Uh, he said, he him. He said, how long uh, are you going to resist the Holy Ghost? How long are you going to stay in teaching of doctrines and men that takes the power and the authority and dominion of this kingdom and out of your hands and let the devil keep you bound? People are doing it every day and God is bringing a people out. He's bringing the people out, but you've got to allow something to change your mind. You've got to allow the working of the Spirit to change your heart. You've got to allow the Spirit of God into your mind and begin to change you and renew you in the Spirit of your mind and open your understanding. So, let me see where I'm at here. So God has, in a knowledge and a wisdom, revealed something greater to us and a depth than what he's revealed to any other generation. And now the power of it's fixing to come forth. Because we're getting our minds out of the way. Mm-hmm. We're getting our minds out of the way. Turn loose of the old, turn loose of the old, turn loose of the old, my children, and cry out for the indwelling of the Christ to be formed. So many of you pull back and you walk in confusion and you walk in condemnation. You walk in warfare waiting for my spirit to come up on thee and move thee. You know, in the olden times, and when I started preaching, we would do what we call wait for the anointing. Mm-hmm. Or we would pray to get ready. We would feel the spirit of God, and we would go ahead and preach. Now it's inside. Now God's revealing something inside and in a heartbeat. We don't have to wait. When God gets ready to move, that spirit will hit you. That spirit will take you. That spirit will open your understanding. That spirit will begin to speak, God, before you even know it's there. So God is doing something different. But so many pull back and you walk in confusion, you walk in condemnation, you walk in warfare waiting for my spirit to come upon thee and move thee. I have not ordained thee for this type of move. I have ordained thee for the indwelling. At any given moment, the Christ can manifest and be brought forth because I have taken my abode in thee. It's what he told his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, I dwell with you, but I shall be in you. He said, I dwell with you, but not many days hence. He said, I'm going to dwell in you. What was he talking about? The spirit of the resurrected Christ was going to be poured out, and he was going to go down inside of them. And that resurrected Christ that they had with them, his spirit, his word, his authority, his dominion was going to live in them. And here we are still in the old school. Here we are waiting for the spirit of God to come upon us. I'm not waiting for him anymore to come upon me. I've got a measure of him dwelling in me. It is in thee that I got them to live and dwell. It is in thee, O my people, that you can live and move and have your existence in me by my mind, by my spirit, by the unction of the word. 
and the working of the Holy Ghost draw not back. For as my spirit tries to move many of you, you tell yourselves, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared, I can't do this. Because you are drawing out of the old that you've been taught. You've been drawing on that spirit coming upon thee. But I tell thee in this day, or I tell thee this day, that a new and a living way has been consecrated and dedicated. This is even my covenant, my children, that through my flesh, through the veil. I have rent the veil. I have conquered flesh. I have abolished the law of carnal commandments in the flesh. And I have put sin to death in the flesh that ye may live and bring forth in the spirit of Christ, shake yourselves up and allow a renewing of thy mind. You must put off the carnal man. You must put off the old man which is bound in deceitfulness of lust. And you must put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is the day of visitation. God said that he had made a new and a living way. Did you know that Jesus blazed a new and a living way? In his flesh, as a man, he overcame sin. He conquered sin. But listen to what I'm telling you. He rent the veil that held the Holy of Holies behind that veil. And in the Spirit, he walked into the Holy of Holies and the fullness of the God dwelt in him. And he said, I have consecrated a new and a living way and you can do this because I am your forerunner. I have made the way. I am your forerunner. And I have made the new and a living way and I have consecrated it. And now, if you will walk in this new and living way, you're going to come to the same place I am. What did he tell us in John 14? Behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. Alright, I'm going to Hebrews. And I'll have to find it. But it's either at the end of the... I uh, can't remember whether it's four or five or six. Uh... It's at the end of the 6th chapter of Hebrews. Verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, most sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our forerunner's done what? He's entered in. Our forerunner has entered in. That forerunner is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your example. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Where did he go? Into the fullness of God. Into the fullness of the presence of God behind the veil. He's entered in behind the veil. He has consecrated a new and living way. And he has showed us that as a man, he, he done away with carnal commandments. As a man, he abolished it's in Ephesians 2, I believe. He abolished the carnal commandments. In Romans 8, in verse 1, he started out and said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. And in verse 3, he said, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. 
I sending my own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned, overcame, destroyed, sent in the flesh, that the righteousness of God, and I may not get that fourth verse right, but it says that the righteousness of God might be revealed in us or something to that measure. Let me turn over and find it. But he's given us that new covenant that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Well, Jesus is the righteousness of the law. He fulfilled the law. He said, I come not to destroy the law but to fulfill the law. Hanging on that cross, he said, it is finished. What was finished? Sin had been destroyed in the flesh. Sin had been conquered as a man. As a man sent from God. As a man. As one made in the likeness of sinful flesh. What does Philippians say? He became obedient. Even under death, the death of a cross, he humbled himself. Took on the form of a servant. Became as a man. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. And being a son. He became perfect through the things which he suffered. He came into that completeness of God. He came in that perfected maturity of God by the things which he suffered. And being a son, he became perfect. So he, he wasn't there. If he was there, he wouldn't have had to become perfect. If he was there, he wouldn't have had to done something different. It's made just like you. Made just like me. Are you with me today? I said, are you with me today? Hallelujah. Shake yourselves and allow renewing of the minds. You must put off the carnal man. You must put off the old man, which is bound in deceitfulness of lust. And you must put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. If y'all want to know where that is, that's Ephesians 4, 22 and 23, and I believe 24. Know ye, before summer comes, someone will possess a measure of my spirit that surpasses Pentecost. There's something in here. Mm-hmm. It's in here. I can feel it, man. I can feel this thing roaring, wanting to get out. But until we get ourselves prepared and at the right moment, at the right time, at the right season, God's not going to loose this thing. Because He's not going to put us out there to make a reproach on His name. You will not be a reproach to the name of Jesus in this day. Know ye just days ahead, I will begin to manifest and bring on the scene the ministry of the Son of Man. The very revealing of my Son as He walked this earth shall begin to be processed and brought forth for the day that the enemy has stood up to destroy. This is the day you must go to prayer. You must cry out for your nation. You must cry out for your leaders. You must cry out for the leaders of the world. For I have set the stage for visitation. But Satan has stood up to hinder and hold ye back. Listen to my words. Allow not distractions. Boy, that that word has become big. Allow, A-L-L-O-W, not the things of responsibilities and cares of this life to cause thee to turn aside that my word that is in thee be choked and there there is no fruit brought forth unto perfection. For I have chosen thee to bring thee to perfection or maturity or completeness. I have chosen thee to bring thee into a maturity of the Christ that the power of the resurrected Christ can live and dwell in thee. Paul wrote in Philippians 3 and 10, 
that I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of, of his sufferings, if by any means I might be made conformable unto his death. And then he went on and said that I, or he said that I can be made conformable unto his death, that if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So Paul seen that we could attain that place of the resurrected Christ. Paul saw this. And he wrote it in Philippians starting about 3.8. He talked about everything he had forsaken. Everything he left behind. Everything he had uh, turned loose of and counted it but dumb. That he might win Christ. Counted it but dumb. Are y'all hearing me? He said, I've suffered the loss of all things. That I might win Christ. And then he went on and said in 3 and 10, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, that if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And he went on and said, but I have not already attained it. I'm not already perfect. There may be some of you out there, Paul said, that you've come to the completeness of the Christ. You've come to a maturity that Christ wants you to walk in, but I have not come there. I have not come to that place that Christ has revealed in me in the power of the resurrection yet. He said, but this one thing I do. He said, forgetting the things that are behind me. Not worrying about what's behind me. All you hear people whining and talking about is what they've done, what they've been through, how they've suffered, how they give up this, how they give up that. To me, you haven't give up nothing. All this stuff is still in your heart. All this stuff is still in your carnal man. All this stuff is still in your carnal mind. And you have not turned loose of it. Turn loose of it. Turn loose of it. Turn loose of it. Paul said, I suffered the loss of all things. Because Paul was a man of position. Paul was a man of power. According to the Jewish law, members of the Sanhedrin court were married and had a wife. You hear me? According to Jewish law, if you was a member of the Sanhedrin court of the council, you were married. Mm-hmm. Paul, we don't know whether Paul was married or not, but I believe he was because he taught later on. He said, you need to be as I am. You need to be as I am. He said, if you loose from a wife, see not to be bound. If you bound to a wife, see not to be loosed. He said, because time's short. Paul thought Jesus was coming back just any time. That's how real it was to him. Well, here we are 2,000 years down the road. Everybody keeps saying, well, I've heard that for years. Yeah, but just think we're closer to it now than we've ever been. There is a revealing of the Christ. There is a revealing of the resurrected power of Christ. And we're coming into it if we allow the working of the Spirit. It's not what you know. It's not the knowledge you walk in. It's not the understanding you've received. The Lord said, that's all old order. That's all old order. Okay, let me see. Hear hear, Hear me, my people. Hear me. For this is a covenant. This is a promise that I said I would do. That I would write my laws in thy hearts and in thy minds. That's what he told us in Hebrews I believe it's 8 and 10. That in that day I will write my covenant. And I will put my laws into thy hearts and in thy minds. And I will dwell in thee and walk in thee and live in thee. And I will be thy God if you can turn loose of the old. And thou will believe me. You shall see the hand of thy God. No one shall say unto thee anymore where is thy God. For I shall be thy God. It's in the parting of the Red Sea. As in the sun standing still, as in the fire being called down from heaven, I, God, shall be God. 
I shall multiply the loaves and the fishes. I shall cause money to appear in circumstances and situations of necessity. I will be thy God. If thou shalt only be my sons and my daughters and submit thyself unto me, quit allowing the spirit of condemnation, quit allowing the spirit to the spirit to tell thee that thou art not worthy, get out from under the old teaching that every time my spirit moves on thee that ye feel like you have to go fast and pray for hours and days. No, the bridegroom shall be formed in thee. For I have chosen thee, called thee, and ordained thee to be conformed to the image of my Son. That's now, that's now, that's now, that's now. For I have even gotten people praying and travailing and crying that the Christ may be formed in thee. Loose thy minds. Come out of this old teaching of the New Testament. For it's been taught in part. It's been taught in error. It's been taught in the knowledge of men. But now, I, the Lord, enlighten the eyes of thy understanding. I open your understanding to what I, God, wrought in Christ when I raised him from the dead. I want to stop right there. This was in February the 19th of 2017. On August the 20th, one day before the eclipse, it was a Sunday, we was in our church. I was down praying. The Lord took me out in the Spirit. And I saw that eclipse in the spirit. And as that moon come between the earth and the sun, and the sun started darkening, and it started being blotted out, the Lord said, I am going to blot out of my people all the old teaching, all the old knowledge, all the understanding that they have been taught about the Holy Ghost. And when I seen that eclipse get full, and the sun and the light was completely blotted out, the Lord told me, He said, I'm blotting everything out that is an error this is exactly what God spoke in February. Are y'all hearing me? Six months before that eclipse, God spoke this in February. And then as that eclipse went on and I saw the, the uh, moon begin to move on out of the way. And I saw that new light begin to shine. God said, new light, new knowledge, new wisdom, new understanding of the working of my spirit and of the knowledge of my word. And the Holy Ghost is coming in. So, we have got to realize God's doing something new. It ain't just a new shout. It ain't just a new working of the Spirit. It's new knowledge, new wisdom, new understanding. There is a great revealing of the Christ. There is a great revealing now of the ministry of the Son of Man, which I say is the ministry that Jesus had when He walked uh, upon this earth, and it is now going to make itself manifest you're going to start seeing the miracles. You're going to start seeing the deliverance. You're going to start seeing the crowds. You're going to start seeing revivals because God is opening to our understanding a revealing of His Word and a working of the Spirit that we've never walked in. I open your understanding to the authority, dominion, and power that is working thee and toward thee. For when I did this, there is a great working of my Spirit, my power, as the Word says, to usward. Towards you, my children, according to that mighty power. There is a great power working in you if ye will yield to it. But your minds are blocked. Look how God's talking to us. Your minds are blocked. Your spirits are locked down because you're trying to put me into what the church has taught about Pentecost. You're trying to bind up my spirit in gifts and tongues. And it's been taught wrong. Turn loose of the old and allow my spirit to take thee into the new. 
For this is the day of visitation. This is the day that I, God, come with vengeance and I will vindicate my word. This is the day that my word has been fulfilled in part. But you shall now, but you shall now see it begin to be fulfilled in the fullness. For this is a day of vengeance. This is a day of going forth. This is a day of judgment against sin. This is the day that I, God, purge my church. I purge my sanctuary. I purge the sons of Levi. For even now, the sons of Levi are sitting before a refiner's fire. And I'm sitting as a refiner and purifier of silver. I am washing like a fuller soap. I am scrubbing. I am cleansing. I have heated the fire, saith God. And if I have to, I will heat it seven times hotter. <coughs> but I will purge the sons of Levi. That is a type of ministry. I will purge a ministry that shall come forth in righteousness and holiness. Because this ministry shall not come in the form of the sons of Levi. But it shall come made in the likeness of the lion of the tribe of Judah who was created in the form and in the image of Melchizedek. For you were not made after the law of carnal commandments, but you shall be birthed and brought forth in the power of an endless life, in authority and dominion that nothing can stop. You are being stopped by your own spirit. Pay attention to this. You are being stopped by your own mind. You are being stopped by fighting condemnation. Put away the spirit of condemnation because Romans 8 and 1 says this exact same thing. For there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And he goes, my children to them which are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk after the flesh, not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law that I brought forth in the likeness of my son, Jesus. The law of sin and death brings condemnation, it destroys but even the law of the Spirit of life, which is in my Son Christ Jesus, shall bring ye forth into life. Even as you wrestle with the old order, you wrestle, you wrestle with the law. Many of the teachings, and when I say old order, I'm not talking just about the law. I'm talking about what is taught, been taught about the Holy Ghost. There is some good teaching, but there are many things that are wrong in the teaching of the working of my Spirit. Because it was taught in zeal, it was taught in limited knowledge, it was taught in ignorance, and I will no longer allow my people to be ignorant concerning the gifts and the working of my spirit. And I told you at the beginning of the broadcast how God opened up. You know, when Paul looked at uh, 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the first thing he said was, My brother, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. God's not going to leave us in ignorance. God's not going to leave us in limited knowledge if we allow the working of His Spirit, and we seek. What did He say? Seek, and you shall find. He wasn't talking about salvation. He's talking about the kingdom. In, in Matthew 6, 32, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And all these things that the Gentiles desire and fight for and labor to have, He said, I'll give them to you. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first the indwelling of the Christ. Seek first. To be a vessel that I can live in. In my spirit, my word, my fullness, my power. The kingdom of heaven is not a place called heaven. It is the revealing of the authority and dominion of the Christ living in you on this earth. And giving you authority and dominion over all his creation. 
It's like he told us in Psalms. He said, What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou hast visited him and set him over the works of thy hands? God gave Adam total dominion. God gave Jesus dominion over the fish of the sea. Once Wham got on Peter's hook. Peter pulled him up. The Lord had put money in his mouth to go pay taxes. When they woke Jesus up down the bottom of the boat, in the middle of the storm, ship about to sea, he just walked up, looked at him and said, Oh, ye of little faith, how long am I going to suffer with you? How long am I going to suffer this perverted and unclean generation? And he just raised his hands and said, Peace be still. The winds quit blowing. The rains quit coming. The waves quit tossing. Everything just settled down. And they just looked at him and said, My God, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this that an authority and dominion of the kingdom that rules heaven had been made manifest in him? That's why he could say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm telling you one more time, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and God's looking for a people, not just one man. God's looking for a people. God's looking for a body. He can put this in. He can put this in. And he's teaching us newness about the gifts. That's why he told me what Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts, the offices, the administrations. When he said in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, for God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after this miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. All these things are gifts. All these things take the working of the Spirit of God. They're different offices. They're different administrations. But they all had to be placed in the church on that day of Pentecost because by the time the sun went down that day, 3,000 people had been added to the church. If 3,000 people had been added to the church and God had poured something out, where's your government? Where's your leadership? Where's the gifts? Where's the anointing? Where, where's the ability to lead in school 3,000 people? And all we've been taught, yeah, when I got the Holy Ghost, I taught in tongues. Well, good for you. I want what Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians 12. I want leadership. I want wisdom. I want ability. I want the gifts. I want to know what my office is. I want to know what God's called me to do. I don't want to just talk in tongues and shout. I don't want to just see cloven tongues of fire set up on people's heads. I want people to receive something. For God to bring the church where it needs to be, He has got to restore the former reigns of the Holy Ghost, which is what it felt at Pentecost. Oh, brother, we got that. They were one Holy Ghost. No, you don't have it. If you had it, it would be manifesting itself. How long is it going to take people to wake up and realize that that was a dispensation for that age? That was what God poured out to establish the church, to set it in order. And we don't have that because the church is not in order. If we had what God poured out on the day of Pentecost, we would be set in the same order as the early church. We would have holy apostles like Peter and Paul, James and John. We would have holy prophets like Elijah and Elisha and men of God like that. We would have pastors and teachers that would teach people how to behave themselves in the house of God. That would teach them the word. If God, if, if you got in the Bible study and things started to be a question about the Holy Ghost, what its operations was, what it works is, how you know you got it, 99% of the people in the, in the Bible study, well, I'm talking dogs. Well, good for you. But that don't put any administration in you. That don't put any leadership in you. 
That don't bring forth the gifts of the Holy Ghost. If God's got a purpose for your life, He's got to gift you. Every gift, every administration, every office, everything in there comes by the Holy Ghost. That's why God poured it out on the day of Pentecost. Because He's fixing to set the church in order. He's fixing to bring forth the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's fixing to bring forth miracles. He's fixing to bring forth healings. He's fixing to bring forth helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. Apostles and prophets. Teachers. He's fixing to bring all this forth. Wasn't everybody going to be apostles? No. If everybody was apostles, where's the prophets? If everybody was prophets, where's the apostles and teachers? No, everybody, everybody ain't called to the same calling. Everybody ain't got the same gifts. You've got to find out what your calling is and abide in your calling. Does the Word not teach us to abide in our calling? Abide in what? You ain't me. You ain't chosen to be me. You ain't been given the gift. You ain't been given the word that God has put in me. Because a lot of you couldn't take the persecution that I catch when I preach like this. But I don't really care what man says. If I bow myself to the will of man, then I become a servant of man. I'm not a servant of man. I'm a servant of God and I'll preach this. And I'll preach the revelation of the Christ. I'll preach the kingdom of God. I'll preach what God reveals to the day the Lord takes the Spirit out of my body and calls me home, or to the day He baptizes me in the resurrected power of the Christ and I'm changed in a moment, in a train, in the blink of an eye, and I put on, uh, this mortal puts on immortality, this corruption put on incorruption, and I'm changed, and I'm going to live and reign with Him a thousand years. Either way, I don't care. I'm going to be obedient to the voice of God. I'm not in this for a popularity contest. I'm not in this for folks to like me. Does it help to be liked? Yeah. Does it help not to be talked about and have your name cast out as evil? Helps your feelings. But it don't help you walk with God. I'm not going to compromise my walk with God. I'm not going to compromise the words that God's been speaking. Because for two years now at least, God's been speaking about a turning of things upside down. Now we're coming into it. The Lord spoke at our church, I think it was on December the 3rd, in a prophecy that you watch your political scene. You watch how the, there's, uh, it's fixing to be turning the things upside down. He said, you watch. And he gave the fires as a sign. That was December the 3rd. December the 4th, the fires broke out in California. They're still burning. Some of them ain't even 50% contained. Uh, one of them out there is the third largest fire in history. And it may wind up being the largest fire before they get it contained. Two days after the Lord spoke this, our president told the world he was declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel, and moving our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He turned things upside down in the world. The whole Security Council come together to vote against what he said and to pass a resolution that he couldn't do that. i got news for you. That man's going to do whatever he feels like he needs to do. And then when we had the election in Alabama on the 12th of December, God turned things upside down again. God is continually turning things upside down. Just a few days ago, God shut down the world's busiest airport and turned things upside down again. God said, watch the natural, watch the political. He said, as a sign, I am turning things upside down. And that's what God's doing. And my son texted me last night. He said, Daddy, do you realize? He said, from December of 2015 or 2016, he said, through most of the prophecies, 
that's been spoken, and there's probably 10 or 12 of them. The Lord said, this is a turning of things upside down. He kept telling us, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He keeps telling us there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire and tongues of fire that's coming. And we keep telling ourselves, well, brother, Matt, that's good. I hope you get it, but I got it. You don't have this because the Lord said, this has never been given. This has never been given. In 1993, I was preaching a tent revival in Center, Alabama. While I was preaching, the Lord took me out in the Spirit. And I saw people get hungry for God. I saw people start praying. I saw preachers come off evangelists, come off the field, and set up little storefront churches and just start praying. You know, independent evangelists now, just about can't have revivals. You just about can't do anything. It's hard enough to pastor a church when you preach the truth. And... I saw them start praying. I saw kids go to their elders in, in churches, ask for rooms to pray. And I saw kids go to teachers at school, said we want to pray after after class. And prayer meetings got broke out. And you know where it broke out? Mostly among young people. Young people are tired of religion. They're tired of this deadness. They're try, tired of all this that goes on in the church. All this shouting and talking in tongues and singing and everybody hollering how they feel goosebumps and ain't nothing changing, ain't nothing happening, and nobody has victory. You go to church sick, diseased, depressed, discouraged, you come home the same way. It's wrong. And it will change for those that hunger and thirst after a working of the Spirit of God. But I, I saw that and I watched that and... I saw kids like they were in a college dormitory room, 15 or 20 of them. And man, college dormitory rooms are small. You get 15 or 20 young people in a college dormitory room, it's packed. I saw some sitting, some kneeling, some standing, some laying prostrate on their face. And I saw one young man on his knees, and he was erect from his knees up, had his hands folded in front of his chest, and I heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind sweep in. I saw cloven tongues like as a fire set out on that young man. Then we get a set on them all over the room. The Spirit of God moved them. They had never preached. They had never prophesied. They had never done anything for God. And I saw them go out on the street and begin to preach the Word of God on the street, begin to prophesy the Word of the Lord, and begin to have great miracles and great deliverance because they received a baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. And the Lord told me, He said, Not since the day of Pentecost have I poured out my Spirit in this measure. He said, But there's coming a day that I will again baptize my people in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. So you say what you want to. This has not been given since the day of Pentecost. It has not been given since that day, that dispensation. If you didn't live in that dispensation, got bad news for you. You didn't get it. But now, the Lord spoke in Joel 2.23, and He said He's fixing to bring back the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. He's bringing it back. He's bringing back this outpouring. He's bringing back this visitation. But we've got to get ready for it, and we've got to allow it. We've got too much in our minds we're having to fight over church tradition and doctrines of men. We need to ask God to clear our minds. Let me see if I can... Yeah, you're being stopped by your own spirit. You're being stopped by your own mind. You're being stopped by fighting condemnation. Put away the spirit of condemnation. And then I went on and read that. Let me go on down. Uh, even as you wrestle with this old order, you wrestle with the law. Many of the teachings, when I say old order, I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about what has been taught about the Holy Ghost. There's some good teaching. But there are many things that are wrong in the teaching of the working of my spirit because it was taught in zeal. It was taught in limited knowledge. 
and it was taught in ignorance. And I will no longer allow my people to be ignorant concerning the gifts and the working of my spirit. But I birth, I breathe, I break forth in thee this day. Allow the correction. Nobody with this old spiritual pride wants to admit they're wrong. It's a wicked, evil, seducing, deceiving spirit. Allow the leadership, allow the moving of my spirit, look not back to where you walked before. Oh boy, how many times have I heard, well, Brother Better, I used to pray, I used to fast, I used to seek God, God used to use me. What happened? Why aren't you there now? God said, don't look back at these things. He said, look forward. Look not back to what I've done in my life in days gone by. Mm -hmm. For that, and days gone by for that experience. Don't look back and desire that because if you look back and desire that, you're going backward, my children. It's time to press forward. It's time to press in. And he goes on and talks about, I've created a new and living way that if you listen and you learn and you allow whew, the edification of my spirit, I will take you into the Holy of Holies. For even the forerunner has gone before thee. He has paved the way he has consecrated that new and living way. He is your forerunner in the holiest of holies. This new covenant, this new covenant that I sealed in my blood, this new and living way that I'm setting before you, this is my covenant. This is my covenant, my children. Go back and study the word that I said I would bring to pass in the last days. Go back and study the working of my spirit. Go back and study what I, God, said that I would do, for I have in my flesh abolished the enmity of commandments. I have abolished the enmity. I have abolished the warfare, and I have conquered and overcome sin as a man to show you that you can walk in this new and living way. Hear my words this day. Hearken to my voice this day, and know that if ye shall take the covenant, this covenant, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. A covenant is an agreement. I will not do it all for you, saith God. So many of you have sat back and have expected me to do it all. But I will not do it all. This is a relationship. This is a marriage. And in a marriage, both parties must work. In a marriage, both parties must come to understanding one another and learn to agree and compromise and cope one with another. You must learn my ways. You must learn my truths. You must learn to be led of my spirit. For when I brought forth the working of this Spirit, I did not bring it just in power. You read the New Testament, you read about my Son, and you saw power. Many places power was given to the apostles. But when I poured out my Spirit and made up my church, I poured out a measure of the resurrected Christ mixed with the humanity of man. Now we can communicate, saith God. Now there is one God. Now there is one mediator between God and men, and it is that man, Christ Jesus. You can communicate with me. You have access to me through one door, which is the Christ, who is the man Christ Jesus. He is the fullness of God in man. Now there is a communication. Now there is a mediator. Now there is a go-between that you can understand me and I can understand you, saith the Lord.
Wow, that's, that's me. That's priceless, precious, and mighty. Hear my word. For you are blessed this day to hear these words. You are blessed above measure and beyond privilege to hear the truths and the very mysteries of my kingdom and the very mysteries of the gospel of the kingdom shall begin to be open to your understanding. But ye must prepare. You must prepare. I have called you to prayer, my people. Before service, many of you are slack. I've called you to pray during the week. Make up your mind what you're going to fight for. Make up your mind which field you're going to labor in. Make up your mind whether you're going to sow to the flesh or sow to the Spirit, saith God. Without you hearkening to my voice and without you giving ear to my commandment, I, God, will raise up a new people. So God's telling us, we're either going to do this or God's going to raise up a new people. God will have to have us. Are y'all following with me? For my word shall be performed. My word shall be brought to pass. For I have a season for my word to be fulfilled. Everything that I have ordained from the beginning of time has its season. If you go back and study the word, you shall find that this covenant was made even before the law came into existence. This covenant was sealed. It was forever settled in heaven because the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. This covenant was sealed and put in place. For this is not by law, but this is by my Spirit. This is by faith through grace. Take hold of my Word. Take hold of my Spirit. Take hold of the moving. For it is predestined and foreordained that I, the Lord, will have a people. Six days I labored, six thousand years I labored and created all things that I God rested in man. The seventh day was a thousand years that I rested in man. And I'm not rested in man in the fullness since Adam sinned. He's rested in the Christ, but he's not rested in a body. He's not rested in men. But when the end of the six thousand day or the sixth day or the Six thousand year comes and you head into the seventh day or the seven thousand years, the millennium. Millennium means a thousand. I must have a people that I can dwell in, dwell in the fullness. I must have a body prepared and people created. I've tried to tell you to turn loose of the old, turn loose of the things of thy natural man that's got you bound, turn loose, turn loose. Examine yourself, seek me, knock, ask, seek, desire to know, and let the heart be to please me. The heart be to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness. And all these things that you need in your natural life, all these things that the Gentiles labor for, fight for, and desire to have, I'll provide them. I will give them to thee because you're my children, you're my seed, and I am will manifest and will bring forth the revealing of thy God. Read through your Bibles. See the miracles. See the deliverance. See the things that I did. If you can believe and hearken unto me and open thy souls unto me, you shall see them again, saith God. For I will stand and I will fight against thy enemies. I've told you in my word that no man, no man, if you get caught up in the affairs of this life, and entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. It's not my word and my will for you to get entangled. 
If you war good warfare in the Spirit, you shall not get entangled in the affairs of this life. Many of you are bogged down with the affairs of this life, with upsetnesses, divisions, confusions, and it keeps your spirit torn down and pulled down. The very reason that I spoke to Abraham and told him to separate himself from his kindred is because his kindred would have hindered his going forth. It would have hindered the promise. It would have hindered him believing. Listen to me, my children. Examine yourselves. Find the hindrances. Find the things that's pulling you down. And start seeking me for wisdom to overcome. If you seek me for wisdom to overcome and to move and correct these things, I, the Lord, will hearken to thy voice. I, the Lord, will hear from heaven. Hang on, I lost my place. I, the Lord, will hear from heaven and will move and bring deliverance in many situations if you shall set your heart to seek me. I say unto you again, I am thy God. I am thy God. If you will turn loose of these things and come out from among the world and touch not the unclean things, then I, the Lord, will live in thee and I shall dwell in thee and I will walk in thee and I will be thy God and you shall be my children, you shall be my sons and daughters. Therefore, having these promises, having this covenant and having the benefits of this covenant, it is time that you begin to cleanse yourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and to allow, and that word is again, my spirit to perfect the unholiness and righteousness. Hear me this day, my children, for I have spoken unto thee I have spoken unto thee. I draw thee into a new place. There has been a breathing of my spirit in this place this day. If when you go out from this place, if you will not allow carnality to overshadow you and to take over your minds, but if you will meditate upon me, set your heart to commune with me, you will find that a newness has happened down in your innermost being for no longer Will my spirit move upon thee? No longer shall my spirit just work with man, but my spirit shall take its abode in man. My spirit shall now seek to dwell within. You shall find a great difference. You shall find a great difference in your thoughts. You shall find a great difference in how you see things and understand things and how you comprehend and perceive things because the spirit of the Christ is coming in. Yield to me, my children. Yield to me, my people. And allow not your thoughts, allow not your ways, allow not your old teachings to stop the things that I, God, have set before thee. This is a gift unto thee. This is a gift unto thee. Present yourself unto me. Present your bodies unto me a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable service. If you will do this, I will move in thee, and there shall be a working of my spirit, and she shall not be conformed to the things of this world any longer, but she shall be transformed, because I, God, will renew thy mind. Hear me this day, hear me this day, for this is my covenant, this is my word, this is the working of my spirit, and I have sealed thee in my blood. 
You're marked by the blood of the Lamb. Ye have read of my disciples being marked in their foreheads. So many times the word sealed. You have preached it like it was a canning jar. But no, the seal is a mark. The seal is like a king stamping an order. You have been marked by the blood of the Lamb. You have been marked by the precious blood of the Lamb. Hold fast, back not up. Do not give up, for I have tarried. But I will tarry no longer. I will come, saith God. And I am looking for a house that is washed, and is clean, and is swept and garnished. Make thyself a vessel, presentable, that I can move and take my abode in thee. For I, the Lord, have spoken it. I have stepped in thy midst in order to change this day. A change is ordered. I set before thee a plain path, but ye must walk therein. Consider thy ways. Consider thy ways, my people. Go not back into the old way. Go not back and walk not in that which ye have been taught and that which ye have heard all down through the years. But allow my spirit to teach thee and work in thee and breathe in thee and bring thee forth unto this new and living way. For I am thy God. And I will reveal myself if thou shalt hearken unto my word. For even I, the Lord, have spoken. None can hinder and none can reverse that which I have set in motion in the earth at this time. But the thing is, you can hinder yourself. You can hinder yourself. It doesn't matter how God speaks or what God speaks. We've got to learn to yield to it. And we've got to allow the working of the Spirit of God. I feel like this has been a great Bible study. I feel like God has really spoken into our spirits. But, you know, so many times when we think about God speaking to us, we think about the trumpets blowing, lightning thundering, lightning bolts. This big booming voice. This is the Lord thy God. When in fact... That gentle speaking of that voice inside saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say what you're planning to say. Don't do what you're planning to do. It's not pleasing to me. Don't do that. Will God force you? No. He will admonish you. He will edify you. He will instruct you. But the sad thing is, when we hear that voice, so many times we override it. So many times. Well, that's just my thinking. You need to be sensitive and learn the working of the Spirit of God. Because God is going to instruct. He's going to correct. He's going to edify. And it's not always going to come through the preaching of the Word. But I can tell you this, what God is speaking to you, He will bear witness of it in the preaching of the Word. He will bear witness of it in the prophecy. He will bear witness by His Spirit. So, God spoke this back in February. And God has spoken so many other things to us since. But we still seem like we're stuck. And we can't get to that place where God can baptize us in the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire like He wants to. And God kept, excuse me, the Lord keeps saying, until I have a people ready, 
I can't send forth this move. It's time to get ready. It's time to make ourselves available to the working of the Spirit of God. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I have felt a very strong working of the Spirit of God in this place today. So God bless you. And we're going to pray and dismiss. And I pray that this has been a great blessing to you. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd like to hear. Email me. Write me. All our information is there on YouTube. If you're listening on the radio, all our information is there on the radio. Come visit us, write us, email us, but let us hear from you. Because God is moving by His Spirit. And doesn't matter what we do, God is going to have a people. He will raise up a people if He's got to reject us and move to a brand new people. But the Lord has revealed to us, and it was in the Bible study last week, Lord's going to people they ain't never heard. Right here in this nation, the Lord's turning to the Gentiles. Wake yourself up, children of God. Wake yourself up. God will have his people. May God bless you, and I'm going to prayer with you. Father, by your name, Jesus, I've expounded your word. I know probably for at least an hour or better. This word of prophecy that you spoke, God, I've tried to give some understanding and some enlightenment on it. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Master. That we have the eyes we need to see. We have the ears we need to hear. And the heart we need to understand what the Spirit is speaking. God, I don't want to go out of 2017 into 2018. Stuck in the old order and stuck in my old ways. That's why I'm asking for your mercy and your grace. Let everyone that hears this word, let it be. That you shed your mercy and your grace on them. Be merciful to them. And we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.